Welcome to the Pain-Free Zone. Your host, Nisi Edwards, is founder of the Fibro Patient Education and Support Organization, and she's here to offer help and hope to the millions of individuals who suffer from chronic pain. Now, here's Nisi Edwards. Welcome, everyone, to the Pain-Free Zone. This is Nisi Edwards. I am your host, and yes, I'm back on the air. I had to take a little bit of a wellness break to uh, get some much-needed medical care and attention, um, but I am back, and on today's show, I have a special guest. Her name is Kat Elton. She is an occupational therapist and author of two books, A Resilient Life, Learning to Thrive, Not Just Survive with Rheumatoid Arthritis, and True Health, The Inside Job. Kat has written for websites. She's also a wellness expert on rheumatoidarthritis.com. She also enjoys appearing on radio shows. Her mission is to show people that they can be healthy even if they live with a chronic disease. Kat discovered her passion for writing during a long period of an intense juvenile rheumatoid arthritis flare-up, a disease she has had since age two. No longer able to work as an occupational therapist, She found herself researching how to help herself, trying everything she could and writing about it. And her efforts led to a new life and two books. Welcome, Kat. Welcome to the Pain-Free Zone, my friend. How are you? Great, Nisi. How are you doing? I'm glad that you're feeling a little bit better than you you have been during this time of year. (laughs) Yes, it's hard, isn't it? You know, with this, with this weather, how it affects, you know, our pain, our pain levels. Yeah, it is. And, and I, you know, I think anyone with a chronic illness, we all know that we kind of go through good periods and bad periods and not always can you anticipate what they are, but usually winter time for people with anything like an inflammatory arthritis yes. is going to be a little bit harder. So that's one thing you can, it, it is. sadly that's when holidays come, <laughs> you need a lot more energy for things as well, but, um, but at least you can plan a little bit for it. Yes. So everyone, we're here today talking about living a resilient life. And Kat, as far as I'm concerned, is the expert on this. <laughs> so Kat. a little bit of experience. I have my 10,000 hours. And so <laughs> sadly true. Yes. Now I know you have uh, been diagnosed since age two with juvenile mm-hmm. rheumatoid arthritis. Yes. And, um, you know, most people, you know, they may have heard of RA and they may think, okay, it's just chronic inflammatory disorder that can affect more than a joints. But it's way more to it than that, just that. Is it not? It really is. It's, uh, you know, again, as a, as a young person growing up with arthritis, the number of times people said, you're too young for this. I could, I could probably fill one of the Great Lakes with nickels for that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it, it's not quite as well known, juvenile arthritis. When I was growing up, um, they didn't know, they, they kind of knew there were different types of juvenile arthritis. They basically told me, you might grow out of this. So hopefully you'll grow out of it. And if you don't, you have rheumatoid or the adult rheumatoid arthritis. And now they know it's a very, it's a very different, it's a different disease than adult rheumatoid arthritis. And yeah, there are definitely different subtypes of juvenile arthritis. So they now have kind of decided to call it ju- juvenile idiopathic arthritis. But for the old timers like me, I still <laughs> call it juvenile rheumatoid because again it it's no matter what we say it is it's it's 
you know, it's it's going to be a little bit different for each individual person and how it shows up and just like any chronic illness. So, but yeah, with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, you're usually diagnosed um well, you have to be diagnosed under the age of 16 to have that designation. Okay. And usually diagnosed at a pretty young age, around two to, two to four. Um, again, we don't know what causes it, but, and it's also not just affecting the joints, it, it affects, it, it's system, it's called systemic for a reason because it can affect your organs, it can affect your skin, it can affect different things. But the bottom line is it's in, a lot of inflammation in the body and it feels a lot like rheumatoid adult rheumatoid arthritis in your body i know it can also affect the heart too right exactly yeah so all of these things um are that's why you get closely followed ideally by a rheumatologist uh, because again you don't know where these flare-ups are going to show up in the body and sometimes they affect things that you know, like the eyes, like the mouth, like yes. the heart, like the lungs. There are a lot of different possibilities that you don't, you know, you want to make sure that you catch pretty quickly if they're happening for you. Now, as a child, what was that experience like? I mean, from the time that you can recall that you actually, you know, started school and and mm-hmm. moved from those beginning years, those formative years, you know, onto uh, junior high, high school, and, you know, then till today? You know, it's it's interesting. I obviously had a long time to think about this. But um, I, I, my two questions in my head are, is it harder to know what you've lost? Because, again, for me, I don't know anything but pain. I don't know anything but waking up and having pain, going through my day with pain, sleeping in pain. That's what I know. It's hard. The answer to your question, it was very hard and it was a very lonely experience because, again, I'm, I'm, I just turned 50. So when I, 48 years ago, A, they didn't have the medications that they have now for young, young people. So again, if you, just the good news in all of this, if you have a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis or juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, it's pretty much the best time in history to have to have that disease, have these diseases. But, about 50 years ago, it wasn't quite so good. Not only did we not have the medications, I was taking um, 16 aspirin a day. Wow. When, that's, that's what I did. Every four hours, I'd take four aspirin. And obviously, I ended up with an ulcer. I mean, <laughs> and ended up with issues from that. But so I didn't have the, the, the medications, the treatments, but we also didn't have the knowledge. So I... I had a wonderful rheumatologist who told my parents to keep me active, and I think he he literally saved my life by telling them that. But it, uh, the emotional support piece wasn't there, and that's where I really struggled and really felt alone. And and again, if you think about it, you're going through all these huge life ch- steps from you know a young person going to puberty, going yes. into adulthood, young adulthood. Um, and so it's, it's compound, compounded when you are living with severe pain. So the answer to the question, it was lonely, it was challenging, it was hard, but it also going back into what we're hopefully going to be talking a lot about today, resilience, yes. gave me this inner strength, this internal strength that I've always been able to carry with me throughout my life. That was the core piece of me that I was able to keep going and fall back into when it was, got really hard for me and when I wasn't feeling like there was, I, you know, I, I had years that I literally felt like I was a leech on society because I had nothing to offer you know when I was a, you know an early teen thinking 
what am I going to grow into? I'm, I'm not going to be worth anything. So those were the really tough years for me. Um, but having this knowledge that I was so strong, I'd figure it out eventually. And I finally got to that. Yes. And I, the resilient, you know, that the inner core of, of knowing how strong I was from the challenge is what brought me to that ability to be more resilient. And I also as, was thinking with your, you know, occupation as an occupational therapist, mm-hmm. I'm sure that gave you a lot of insight too, working with uh, patients with, you know, mobility issues and, you know, other issues uh, that they need to, you know, to, to strengthen their core or, you know, even little things such as one thing I've noticed is when you have, you know, a lot of pain, especially that joint pain in your hand, Something as simple that people take for granted as opening up a jar. You know what I mean? Yeah. How it's hard to even do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. So going back to my own story, the, the occupational therapy choice for me was, was really the thing that gave me a purpose. And I finally was, I finally realized, boy, I can be good at something because I do have a lot of insight, as you said, into what it feels like to not be functional, not be able to, open a jar and 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 so my my choice to do occupational therapy really transformed my life and gave me that purpose and used you know the 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 hard part the pain for for good you know to to help other people so and so OT is just a a, a really wonderful career for me uh, it wasn't something i could carry forward as my disease progressed as i got older because it became too physically challenging and that's when i shifted in and found writing but um but the OT choice was really good as you said there are so many little things when you live with chronic illness that, that there's this, you know, we all have our private self and as yes. a, you know, you, we all probably can relate to this, but as someone who has chronic illness, your private self is so much, I think, bigger because there are so many pieces of yourself that are just so hard to, um, describe to other people who aren't living with pain and it sometimes takes almost too much energy the learn depending on where the learning curve how big the learning curve has to be um so again just um understanding uh, the ability of how to help other people to be more functional help me to go back into myself and say okay all these little things that i've privately learned for myself i can i can help other people with was a, a big, big thing for me. That's good. Now, when yeah. you mentioned um, about resiliency, mm-hmm. um, at times, you know, even myself, um, I find that uh, difficult because when you mention about, you know, your private self, it, that's much more bigger. And I don't know about you, but I get sometimes frustrated having to tell people or try to explain that okay I don't feel well you know or I'm in pain especially when they'll say well you don't look like you're in pain okay that's that's wonderful but the truth is I am and you know sometimes you get tired of talking about it because people just don't understand you know they'll say well you were in pain last week really now how can you be in pain all day People just are clueless. Yeah. <laughs> the best yeah. Way to explain it. No, they really are. And and again, for me, having no other experience, I didn't understand how clueless <laughs> until as I got older. And um, just an interesting 
uh, tidbit on that. I, I had this moment with this friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, and he, I, you know, I, I told him that my, I just happened to tell him my knees were hurting um, because we were taking a bike ride. So for me, it's uh, when I when I open my mouth and tell people I have, I'm, I'm something's hurting. It's usually on a need to know basis because, as you said, it gets really tiring to continue to to you know and and it the other aspect for me is I don't want to be the the Debbie Downer yes. you know so when when you keep saying well this hurts this hurts this hurts this hurts you, you know it it turns into kind of a, a negative spiral in the conversation and when it when other people if a it, it hurt it, it doesn't feel good either way if they don't get the fact that you're in pain they're not understanding that's hard and if they do understand and they layer a lot of concern on then that's hard too but going back to my my um friend he um he was surprised that i was that my knees were hurting and i was thinking boy how how did you not know that? Because we've been spending all this time together mm-hmm. <laughs> and he knows me so well, but it's like in le- but it's hard because I'd always have to tell him, well, it, I'd have a running dialogue all day long. You know, I, right now in this conversation, it's and my elbows hurt, my knees hurt. So what's hurting? I just, as I go through my day, I just have to, you know, spout off all these different areas of my body that are in pain. And that's really not helpful. That's what I'm talking about more of the private self. Yes. Because those things, you know, that's what I just kind of carry on my own. And um, when I speak up about it, it's usually because someone needs to know. Um, And that is a way that I kind of buffer myself from some of these reactions because, you know, as I said, I've been doing this for 48 years. I've been in this game for 48 years, and can I say it gets easier? It gets a little easier, but it never gets easy. I understand, yes. Right, because as you said, every day I I get a little frustrated. Every day I I have to have, you know, I feel these negative emotions around my pain. Because pain, and and if we want to, if you want to go into the physiology a little bit we can but but pain does affect you emotionally that's just what it does it goes into your brain and it affects your emotional system and it affects it in a negative way so that's just a a fact it doesn't mean that i'm a depressed person that you're a depressed person i can be the happiest person in the world and i can have pain and i'm going to feel negative feelings because that's what happens in your brain physiologically yes. as a human being. That's what keeps us, helps us to survive. That's true. Uh, right. So again, we have to learn ways to buffer ourselves from these, ne- you know, t- to buffer the negativity with things that help to feed us in a, and as a positive way. And when other people aren't understanding and when you have to justify, yes, I'm still in pain. I was in pain yesterday and yes, I'm still in pain today, even though I don't look like it. Um, that, that gets hard and that doesn't help resiliency, right? So I think part of the learning how to do this well is to learning who to learn who, what to say to who, okay. <laughs> right? There yeah. are certain people in your life that have to know all of it. Those that, you know, your, your loved one, not all your loved ones have to know all of it. True. But, but you need at least one person to, I'm talking about living well. 
with with a chronic illness and living well with a chronic pain. In order to live well with chronic pain, you don't need a whole army of support, but you do need a couple people that get it. And ideally, those people are the people that you're living with in the home. And ideally, one of those people is your doctor. Yes, they should know. <laughs> yeah, or one of your health, you know, close healthcare providers that are that you're seeing that are following you. Um, so yeah, I think again, just going back to what you were saying, it, it is hard. It doesn't. It gets a little bit easier, but what gets easier, what's been easier for me is is understanding what to say and who to say it to, now, not the actual cover. You know, not yes. not the the the. the blank looks those aren't quite as easy those are still hard (laughs) oh i i can i totally understand and um i can relate especially if i'm speaking with someone whom should know so for example uh, i started seeing a new healthcare provider and we were having this conversation about my health and what my limitations are And when I started speaking with her about, you know, the fibromyalgia and the ankylosing spondylitis and why I have limitations, she just had this look as if to say, okay, and, you know, what does that mean? And I'm thinking, what do you mean? What does that mean? You should know what I'm, what I'm talking about. And um, I found it very frustrating to have to educate her about all of this because my expectations were that as a healthcare professional, that, she should have known, you know. Yeah. So now yeah. I've decided, Kat, maybe I need to have like some get to know me cards, <laughs> you know, to say this yeah. is what you need to know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and no, I think that's a great idea, actually. And, and, and that what you're describing is goes into some of the chronic illness is really challenging to live with. That's just the bottom line. You can be like you can be the strongest person you can imagine and it's still going to be t- difficult and and one of the reasons why is because you're guaranteed to get in front of a healthcare provider that should know and they're not going to know that that's that's going to that's happened to me again and again and again and again and you could also have a good relationship it's a, a relationship with a healthcare provider is just like any other relationship sure. and what i've come to realize with doctors um Especially the ones, well, I guess I think I'm going to say every, everyone, but, but the ones that are, that, that really want to help you and really know you and you, those guys, are, even those guys are going to be challenging at times. The ones that you have good relationships with because they're human beings too and they really want you to do better. And so when you're coming with bad news, it's like, oh, this isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working. <laughs> yes. And, you know, they, they don't always, you know, I, I for example, um, I have, I had, sadly, she moved out of the state and, and I'm not seeing her anymore, but I had this wonderful rheumatologist and she got me, we, we, I was having a horrible time. Uh, um, my arthritis was just raging and we finally found a medication that worked, but about six months into it, my body didn't like it. It was, it was having bad side effects and it was really hard for her to accept that. You know, she kept saying, well, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. So I, I think I stayed on that one a little bit too long because I, we were both so invested in that, in the idea that I, you know, this was going to be the one, you know, and so as, as I, you know, we have to, we have to be strong. You have to learn to be strong in all of these relationships because they you're you're the you're the only one you're the one that's going to be the 
have the most investment, obviously, in your health and your life. Yes. And you're the one that has to, to me, I, I don't like the idea of having like a, being a warrior or, you know, a chronic illness warrior. I, I know that works for some people and I think we all need our own ways of gaining that strength. For me, I don't like to look at it as a fight. I like to, I look to look at it differently. But one aspect of how I gain my strength is to bring in that, you know, a little bit more of the, I don't use a warrior, but bring in the bear maybe. I bring in my bear because I have to be that one. I'm the caretaker of my body. And and even if I'm standing in front of or sitting in front of a doctor that, that cares just as much as I do about getting health, you know, getting me healthy, I'm the one that, that knows my body the best, just as you were talking about before we started yes. this interview. We're always going to be the, the expert on our body. We are I'm the expert on my own body. You're the biggest expert on your body. The doctor is not the expert on your body or my body. They're really good consultants. They're highly paid, highly educated, very good with consultants, but I'm the director. You're the director of your life, your body, your health. And so it's, it's your job, my job to protect ourselves more than anybody's job, right? So I agree. I feel like we're also, um, the you know the orchestra you know we're the conductor yeah, for all of it for all of it and then we just bring in these these people to kind of like help guide steer the ship you know I I say like getting yourself in the driver's seat of your own life and and again this what I'm what I'm talking about are things that I didn't know for most of my life when I'm talking about this one this piece in particular was hard for me because. When you, when you're growing up with arthritis at the age of two going to doctors and the doctors are like the ones who are helping you to get better, it was such a hard shift for me to not, to get out of that God complex a little bit. The whole thing about going to the doctor and the doctor's going to make you better and you're just this passive compliant patient. That was the old model. That's not the healthy model, but that was the model I had to shift out of. And it was really hard because, like I said, this what shaped, this is what shaped and formed me. And when I was a, a kid, this doctor did help me. You know, this doctor helped me a lot. And so my rheumatologist is who I'm talking about. Yes, I so understand. My rheumatologist was amazingly good at, at guiding me and, and with, with the very little that he had to help me at that time, but he did it so well. That going into adulthood, it really was a shift for me to be to be able to to say to a doctor or say to myself, "This person isn't helping me. I need to find someone else." Or, "This person isn't asking the right questions. I need to I need to tell this person the questions to ask." Sort of, you know. So, but that piece right there is really important as a really important one to learn as quickly as you possibly can, because that's going to get you into the a, a more a stronger position. In your life and in your health and, and in, in your quest for health. And, and I've also come to believe that health isn't the absence of disease at all. <laughs> that you can be, my, you can be healthy and have a, a chronic pain, severe chronic pain. And, and that's, that's what I truly believe because I look around my, around me and I think that health, the driver of health is, isn't, you know, how I look or how I feel. The driver of health is, I mean, physically, the driver of health is, is the fabric of my life. You know, who am I feeling connected and do I have a purpose? Yes. And, you know, yes, I agree. I, yeah. Do I have love in my life? Do I have, do I, can I, is there something that makes me smile even if I'm in pain? Because if I didn't, 
and, and I, again, this isn't something I always believed, but if I didn't believe this, then I'd always be unhealthy. <laughs> you know what? I, 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 I absolutely believe that. Uh, yeah. the mind and brain connection, you know? Yeah. Now, yeah. Kat, what was, I'm sure this was also difficult, um, for your parents, uh, growing mm-hmm. up, you know, because as you're going through this journey, you're the patient. Mm-hmm. They were going through it too, in a different exactly. way, you know what yeah. I mean? But I'm yeah. sure it was tough on them also. Yeah, and I wish my mom was in the room so she could, <laughs> she could explain a little more. But yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it's a, chronic illness is not a, I mean, it has to be, it's a family disease as far as, especially when it involves children. It, it affects the core of the family. And it, and it affects so much of, I mean, I have three, I have two brothers and a sister. So they're attend, you know, I, to this day, I, I have a little bit of guilt around my little brother because they, there was a lot of attention placed on me necessarily. My mom had to wake me up and do exercises in the morning before school and do these things for me to get me going in the morning. So it affected the time and attention they could get and the care they could give to the other children on the one hand. On the other hand, it, you know, it was really hard for them. Um, emotionally, physically, it took over, you know, a lot more time invested in me that they couldn't invest in, in their own life. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a family disease. And, and for me being the patient, I never realized, um, just how hard it was to be on the other side until my older brother, when he was in his late twenties, he got a, 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 a an inflammatory illness as well that affects the kidneys and um it he had to have a kidney transplant mm. in his early 30s um so it was it was kind of it was a big uh it was a big self-realization for me because a lot of my getting growing up and feeling some frustration and resentment around the fact that people weren't saying the right things to me you know, I, I expected other people to mind read and, and know, like, what I mean my, when I'm saying other people, my family, yes. to mind and know exactly when I was in pain and what to say. And, and what have, you need, yes. And what I needed, and I, and I didn't realize I had to actually tell them, you know, speak up a little bit. And, and, and when my brother was so ill, I found myself saying the same platitudes that I would just roll my eyes in the back of my head at times. Like, oh, you know, it's going to be okay. Or these things that, that, but you just, you, you know, you, the words get stuck in your throat when it's that hard. When it's that, when you see a loved one in pain, all you want to do is, is take it away from them. And all, and when you see them suffering, all you want to do is to say the right thing. And all you end up doing is saying the wrong thing. And sometimes they don't want to talk about it because they don't really know what to say. To say. It's not that they don't care. Of course they care, but it's hard on them too. Yeah. So for me, that was a really good way of, uh, sadly, it had to come through my dad, my brother's serious illness. And I wish anything that that, it could have come in a different way, but, but um, it made me realize, wow, this is really hard on both ends of the table. And so it, it kind of um, helped me to understand, okay, this is, this is, we have to, I have to learn how to communicate differently and better around my own struggles so that I avoid some of these um, frustrations and, 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 and inability to, to connect. Yes. Um, in a, in a better way, because again, connection is so important. Real connection is so important for 
living well with with pain and um you and it, it and it isn't only on the other side you know you can't just be like okay i have pain everybody else has to know exactly what to say you have to help them <laughs> yes you know, that's true to do it you know and and so that is the piece and so to to like add on to that just what you were you said a couple minutes ago someday you know every day and and, and some days more than others you're, it's it's not you don't want to have to be strong around this stuff. You're fearing, feeling irritable. You don't want to, you know, wake up without sleep again for That's the third true, night. That's true, which happens frequently. <laughs> it happens yes. frequently, right? And your body takes, you know, isn't sometimes is very needy, and you just don't have the energy for it. It's like a crying child, and you've you know stayed up for for months at a time. You're like, oh no, another night, and your your body's your crying child. So I, I give myself days where I'm just like, it's okay. And, and I, it's okay to not to have a good attitude. It's okay to be a little bit cranky. But when you're having those days, it's also best to let the people around you know that that's one of those, you're having one of those days so that they don't, you know, um, feel bad that uh, something in themselves or so they then know basically what's happening. So and they also, know, too, understand yeah. that it's not something that they cause, you know, because exactly. sometimes people try to yeah. internalize it and say, okay, right. well, well, could I right. have done something different? But, yeah, they didn't do anything differently, It's uh, and they didn't do anything wrong. This is your, this is just a hard day. And you didn't do anything differently. You didn't do anything wrong. It's just a hard day. And that is all it is. And again, if you can get to that place in your mind, a lot of living well and living resiliently with, with, chronic illness is learning to shift perspective you know the whole thing about attitude is everything i think about that a lot because for me that's really my attitude has done more to uh, just shifting perspective has done more to help me than probably anything in my life so when you Um, talk about um a resilient life for uh people listening in to today's show can you um perhaps clarify for the audience exactly, although I know what you mean, but just so that yeah. people can understand it. Because a lot of times, you know, when I talk to other people, even in my support group, you know, when you mention about attitude, they'll say, well, you must not have chronic pain because you're telling right. me, you know, about my attitude. Yeah. And I'll tell them, yeah. I have chronic pain. I get yeah. it. I understand yeah. it. But yeah. again, you know, there's other things you can do to help you live a better life. Yeah. Okay. So good question. Very good question. Because I'm not saying that, um, I'm not saying at all that if you learn to be resilient, then all of a sudden everything's going to be flowers and butterflies or, exactly. you know, everything's going to be one, your pain's going to go away. Now I'm going to back up a little bit and tell you a little bit of kind of my journey on all this. Because again, I've had, um, a life, almost a lifetime of experience. So I wasn't always able to sit here and calmly say, oh yeah, you know, just, it's a, just a bad day. And oh yeah, just connect to people. <laughs> it, it took a lot of times doing it, the, you know, the hard way and, and having years and years of numbing myself and not talking about it and not connecting well with people. Um, to get to the place where I'm like, okay, this is the one thing I can hold on to. So when I'm talking about living resiliently with chronic illness, I'm talking about the one thing that I can have control over. I, the one thing that I have control over is my attitude. I don't have control over 
what my disease does. I mean, I wish it was my diet. I, I could eat no grains and I'd be happy and it would all go away. That's not, that's not the case for me. And I wish I had this one drug that would, I could take for the rest of my life and it could always keep me steady. That's never been the case for me. But one thing I can do is I can focus on, you know, my, my, my ability to be adaptable, my ability to find joy in a day, even if I'm in severe pain, there's something I can do in that day to give me something that's going to put a smile on my face. There's something I can do in that. There are times in my life I've had where I've, I haven't been able to get into a bathtub because I couldn't get out. I, I haven't been able to cook for myself. I have to, I couldn't shop for myself. These are, I've spent years in this state and I've been living alone during these years. But what I could do during those years is I could, um, find books that, that gave me, you know, that, that took me away in my mind and, and made me happy. I could, re, you know, look at movies. I could, I could, the things that, the thing that gave me purpose during that time, I couldn't work. I couldn't, I, I felt, you know, I, I wasn't getting out in the world and being, doing anything in a way of moving forward or being a success. But what I could do is I could talk on the phone and, and be a good friend to my friends during that time. I could listen. I could be there for them. And that was the thing that brought, that brought me back to myself and brought me back to some hope and some happiness. And, and, and I knew eventually I'd come out of that state and I did. So your question is, what is resiliency? And, and there are a lot of different definitions. You can just look it up on the, in the dictionary. But my favorite one is the ability to experience challenge in life. And then they always think of resiliency as a, as a rubber band. So you bounce back from it, right? Yes. But when you bounce back from it, you, imp- you have something, you've brought something with you each time. So every time I, I bounce back, because again, I'm not through. I, I know for a fact that I'm going to have another bad day, another bad week, another, it's just the fact of life. But, but when that comes back, when I come back from that, I'm going to have a new life skill. I'm going to have a new thing that gives me happiness. I'm going to have more confidence in myself because it'll be yet another thing that I came back from. And those are the things that give that that I take through with me, carry me through. And as I get through, go through life, as I get older, yeah, my physical body is getting more disabled. My physical body is getting less functional, but the rest of me is getting stronger and better. Absolutely. And, wiser, and I'm getting a I'm a better daughter. I'm a better friend. I'm a better sister than I was 10 years ago, even though I can't join everybody on family trips. I can't join. I can't do some of these physical things. I'm not working as an OT anymore, so I can't help patients every day. But what I can do is I can, like I said, I can bring the all these things that I've learned through the challenging times and I can, I can carry them through to my life now and I can keep having keep enriching my life That's in different beautiful, ways Kat. absolutely yeah. you don't know i don't maybe you've experienced this too but the one thing that i've noticed about myself since having and being diagnosed with a chronic illness is more patience yes and, um, <laughs> uh, more definitely more compassion that i extend to others uh, yes. even though Sometimes it's not extended to me. And uh, most recently, I started keeping a gratitude journal. Yes. Because when you mentioned about how, you know, it's a given, you know, that the flares, how at some point in time, you know, how they circle back around, that 
I started keeping a gratitude journal for me so that, okay, I can look at it and say, yeah, you know, that may have been a not so good day, but guess what? This is what I experienced today. This is what happened today. You know, exactly. to kind of yeah. move yeah. you from the yeah. doldrums to, you know, yeah. just to put some sunshine in your life. Yeah. And, and, you know, these days there are a lot of, uh, a lot of things out there that, that people, like gratitude journal. You can find, you can, you can find things out there that people talk about to, to help you feel good. Um, and those are, you know, these little simple things make huge differences. I always think about it. It's just like the little pebble in the, you throw a pebble yes, in the, the river, in the river. Yes. And, and all the, so it's this little tiny thing, like a gratitude journal. And these little tiny things make, can make a huge stamp and a huge imprint in the rest of your life. And, and, and what you were talking about with the, with pain, you know, we think about pain and pain is, Pain is bad. Chronic pain is bad. Chronic pain is a prison without walls. Yes, it you know, is. It, it is. I mean, it's it, it has all the aspects of torture. You're you're tor- being tortured every day because you're not. I mean, I'm, this is just the way I think about it. It incorporates sleeplessness. You don't have control. You don't. You have an unknown future. There's physical discomfort. There's unpredictability. This is a prison without walls, right there. It's torture. That's what pain is. It also is a thief. It robs you of your energy. It robs you of your life. It robs you of your function. It robs you of happiness. It robs you. It's a thief. It's It causes torture. That's pain. That's chronic pain. But, you know, if you're condemned to a life with chronic pain, you you know, that's that's an aspect of your reality. But the other aspect of pain is just what you said. It can it can give you all these things. It can give you compassion. Yes. It can it it gives you humbleness. You're humbled every, like five thousand times a day. That's so true. <laughs> you know, it gives you a sense of humor if you let it because it's it's hilarious and, and you know it's like gallows humor. But there are certain things that that are just pretty funny. You know, for example. Um, it's not a true story. Going to a gas station, my good friend had, had nicely filled up my gas for me because um, I was driving him around, and he's oh, he didn't have arthritis, so we put the gas cap on really really tightly. I'm looking around, I can't, I'm, I'm out of gas. I'm like, what do I do? The guy next to me is like this 85 year old guy. I'm, I'm like, can you open this for me? <laughs> I'm 35. He's 85. He's like, oh sure. You know, I made his day. He got to help me. But but I had to laugh. I'm like, here I am in my you know prime of my life, and I'm asking for this 85 year old guy to open my gas cap for me. So that that again is um, some of the good things about pain, the gratitude aspect. The, the, being grateful for little, the little things in life, or, or, you know, is just a, an aspect that, that naturally happens when you live with, with chronic pain. You become more grateful for the ability to, like, get in the shower and yes. wash hair on a good, you know, when you've had a few days where it's just torture doing that. You're like, wow, I can actually scrub my hair and it feels good. Wow. I'm, yes. That is, that's gratitude for you right there, right? I feel that <laughs> uh, I have found from my own personal experience that pain has made me more intuitive, you know, yes. more sensing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, yeah. I see things that other people don't see, you know. Exactly. No, it's, it's, it's so true. It, and it makes you fearless in ways. It makes you so strong. Yes, that's true. It, it, 
Yeah, because the you know you always think like what's worse can happen, and then the worst happens. What's worse can happen, the worst happens. <laughs> but the worst happens, and then you get through it. You know, and and the intuitive piece is huge because I always you know I had this I had this friend and and she um, studied herbology, so I'd always call her up and be like, hey, you know, when I would I I take supplements as I do natural and I do conventional medicine. That's how I manage my illness. So I'm like, so I call her up. I'm like, so, Hey, what's, you know, what, what, what's good with this? Um, and she'd always tell me. And one time I'm like, Hey, should I, do you think I should go to a, um, like a retreat center? You know, and she's like, cat, like (laughs) every day is, is spiritual practice. You don't need to sit in silence. Like you're getting spiritual practice every day is a retreat center for you. I'm like, oh yeah. Like why do I want to make my life less comfortable (laughs) by sitting in silence and sitting for eight hours a day and, you know, in pain and no, I don't need that. What I need is, um, I need to use the juice of, of every day of diving in and, and being more, t- like you said, intuitive, getting in touch with my body every day and in my mind and in my spirit and my soul. Chronic illness is the best spiritual training ground there is right oh, there. Ab- absolutely, because it's going to take you through some things that you've it, never, ever experienced. Yeah. And now when things happen, you know, that I may not like or it may seem difficult, I'll pause yeah. and then I'll say, let me reset this because, hey, I've weathered this storm, that storm. Exactly. And exactly. if I can handle that and, 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 and I'm still here, I know I got this, you know. It's so true. And and so I, going back to pain, it's like the way I look at pain is it's always teaching me. It's Pain is always teaching you. The trick is to be an avid student of your pain, right? So it's if it's not teaching me about, you know, oh, I, you know, that, um, maybe where a compress, you know, put some compression on that, you know, teaching me how to, how to help it. It's teaching me other aspects, like you, you know, as we just talked about the compassion piece, the, the gratitude piece. It, it teaches you how to accept life's on life's terms oh, is what yes. it really does, right? How not to struggle against your life because if you do that, you're, it's basically swimming against a riptide. You're just going to get tired and drown eventually. And it also That's, shows right? you, that something in your life must change. Exactly. It it tempts it also tempts you into victimhood a little bit. Yes. So it uncovers your shadow side. Because, I mean, it's guaranteed to do that. <laughs> if you have severe pain for long enough, you're going to break down. It's going to happen, and it's you're going to break down more than once. <laughs> it's going to uncover that shadow. It's going to tempt us into being a victim. And again, the the key to this is is to um, not do that, not to numb yourself, not to run away from it, from it, uh, from what you don't want to feel. You know, that's when the intuitive piece starts to come up because it, it can open doors to a new way of living. It can open doors to new awareness and it can open doors to compassion. All those things happen only, though, when you stop struggling against it. When you stop, when I stopped Going back to my story, you know, when I stopped in my 30, 30s thinking that I'm going to find this way to cure my disease, I'm going to be that one person that cures is my juvenile arthritis. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and once I stopped like being Don Quixote, like chasing the windmills <laughs> of, of, you know, I'm the cure, 
and and I realized that was just draining on my energy. That was just making me more angry. That was just making me more frustrated and making me sicker because I was using all my energy against myself. And once I stopped doing that, everything shifted. And that's when I think I actually became healthy, even though I have a chronic pain. I always will. My physical disease is is still happening and it's still working on me. But I, I think that as I go through life, I'm getting healthier because I'm not struggling against it anymore. Sure. I'm, I'm you know, trying to use the juice and the meat of it to make me a better person. Because fighting it, you know, you can only do that for so long and you will exactly. quickly learn that you have spent yeah. and overly yeah. spent yeah. too much energy for what, yeah. you know? I know. I know. And I think that's, again, where a little bit we have to, in or, you have to be a bit of a maverick in society too, um, as a person who lives well with chronic illness, because if you go to a bookstore or you hear anything on the media, it's always like the war against cancer or, you know, um, conquer pain or <laughs> it's all these fighting words. That's why I don't like the warrior term as much for mm-hmm. myself, even though, again, I'm not, no, nothing against people who use that because I think it can help people to be like, yes, I'm, I'm out there. I'm going to fight for myself. I think that's, a, that's good, but you, I think it's all, it's not good to um like you know to make it into a struggle against yourself to make it into a struggle a quest for something that may or may not happen because then you're ending up with you start with hope you end up with hope against hope and then you end up in hopelessness and that's 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 not where you want to go because that's really hard to come out from get out from that's true now with this resilient life um are there any uh main tips that you can share with the listeners about okay you've been diagnosed with uh with the disorder okay Mm -hmm. what have you found and i'm sure there's a number of them but you're tried and true that you know without fail resiliency tips that you would recommend yeah so specifically for people i mean i guess for anybody but if you if you're listening and you're kind of new to chronic illness so what would i say to my you know my self year you know decades ago I, I, I really listen closely to what we were just talking about <laughs> around getting in touch with how you feel learn I think uh, connection learning how to to talk about it and talk to yourself about it in ways that are compassionate I think self-compassion and self-honesty is is the huge is a huge thing so you you need to be honest about what's happening to you number one even if it's not not good but number two right after that you have to know that things can change for the better at any given moment and things will change for the better eventually they, they that's also a guaranteed with chronic illness um going back to resiliency though specifically the the big thing i think is you know the winston churchill never 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 give up yes you have to remember you never 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 are going to give up you you have to remember that there are not there isn't just one thing that's going to help you there's going to be a puzzle that you're going to always be working on for the rest of your life and you're going to get all the puzzle pieces in place and then one's going to pop out eventually and you're going to get it back in there so you never get up you believe in yourself and you're completely on brutally tr- honest with yourself and then you learn how to be honest with other with other people about things then I like from that. Yeah. yeah you always remain curious i would say always be curious because 
if I was if I had if I hadn't had that curiosity, I wouldn't have looked into some of the things that are core pieces of the, of things that help me feel better physically every day. So stay curious, but don't don't fall prey to because the other there's always two sides to all these things. <laughs> but stay curious, but don't fall don't seek validation from outside yourself. For for me, for, for so many years, I would go to my doctor. And I would go to my natural health person and I would give all my power away to them like, oh, help me, help me. I'm in pain. And I wasn't giving myself enough credit for what I was bringing to the table. So I, they, I was letting other people say, okay, take three vitamin C's a day. I'm just making things up. <laughs> you know, take four of this supplement, take mm-hmm. this medication, you know, walk for 10 minutes and, and, Maybe one of those things were actually good things for me, but I was believing them and I was doing it and again, wasting all this energy on stuff that actually didn't help. So remember that get yourself into the driver's seat as quickly as possible and seek out your support system, get a support system and the support system isn't always going to be the same for the rest of your life. It's going to, it's going to shift. So you're going to have to bringing back the intuitive piece of what you were talking about, getting, you know, getting the intuitive muscle. We all have it. We're all very, very intuitive, but we have to build up the muscle a little bit because we're not really taught how to be intuitive. And it's something you kind of have to learn yourself, but, but learn how to, to have that intuitive piece because really when you get there, you're going to know it's, you're going to feel it when, that that massage therapist is some someone you really don't need to go to, for example, anymore. Or that, mm-hmm. you know, whoever that person is that's been helping you for 10 years, but you've kind of maxed out on that and you're okay now. You know, so just that cause, cut, because <laughs> you have your energy, you have to guard it. That's the one thing you have to guard. Like, like the strongest guard dog out there. You have to guard your energy because it, I've, I've spent too many years wasting so much of my energy that I just go down to vapors and then I have to spend time building it back up. So, um, when you can get that, you can get your support system. You can be in, you can create that intuitive, you know, build that intuitive muscle and then you can guard your energy. All the other things are going to, to fall into place e- more easily. But I'll just add two more things on resiliency. Um, be flexible in your thinking, you know. So, so for me, it took me a really long time to get to the place of, um, and I see this with a lot of people with pain, especially because pain is always on on the forefront of your mind. You can't just like stick it away. You can't forget about it. That's it's always so true. there, right? It's always talking to you. Whereas other kind of chronic diseases that don't involve pain, you can kind of just be like, yeah, you know, you can, you can. You can forget about it a little bit more, you know, in quotation marks, <laughs> but forget about it a little bit more. But pain is just impossible because it's always there, always right? Always there, yes. It's always there. So when you're living with that, that always there pain, and you find, and, and again, I did this for many years. I'm like, okay, so I have to take these supplements. I have to do this an hour before bed. I have to have this amount of exercise. I have to have this amount of rest. There's no fun in there. <laughs> My whole day is structured. It's so rigid, right? And, and I see this with a lot of people. They get, the, and, and it's completely natural because 
there's a, there's a, there's always a lingering anxiety. Like what if, what, if, what when's it going to shift back to being really, when you're in this space of it, things are going okay, they're doing okay. And so then you start getting rigid and, and how you go through a day and then, and then you lose the joy and the fun. So that's, that piece always has to get put back in there. And I realize I have this disease that makes me really rigid. My, my, my joints don't, don't want to move you know they get stuck in position and yet and my, and my personality has become really rigid because I think I have to do all these things every day and the truth is I had to not do those things I had to become more flexible because when I became more flexible I became more intuitive I be I was able to be aware of okay this is actually draining me more than helping me and and I was able to be aware of the fact I'm not having fun anymore what's what's life worth if I'm not enjoying any of it Yes. If I'm just going, okay, I have to do this, I have to do this, and I have to, I have to do all these things to feel okay. You, you know, know what else I picked out of this? Everything that you just said but, um, that stood out for me was in, huh? in, in the midst of all this, the, the other thing, too, that I would like to throw in the mix is you have to love yourself. Love, I know. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Good one. Love yourself enough <laughs> to give yourself what you what you need to give your body what it needs. So like you said, whether it's okay, these supplements, whether it's stretching, I know you love to ride your bike, whatever it is, you know, make that commitment to yourself because you are so worth it. And yeah. we have to love yeah. ourselves. And it's not the wrong yeah. to love on ourselves, yeah. you know? No. No. And and okay, so Anyway, you're, I love it. I'm smiling from ear to ear that you brought this in <laughs> because um, I actually have a chapter on my second book on, the, on love because it's that piece is so important. Before you can ever take a positive action on behalf of yourself, you have to see yourself as someone who deserves what you're seeking, right? So oh, you that's have powerful. to love yourself, yes. right? Yes. And it's easy to love your body when it feels good. It's easy, right? When you're looking good, when you're feeling, yeah, I'm so good. But loving it when it doesn't feel good and when it, loving when it doesn't look good, that's true love, right? That's the real love. And still stay resilient, right? Right. right. So you love your body without limits. You're going to see your life begin to expand, right? Because your relationship with the world is a reflection of your relationship with yourself. So you're, you just nailed it. You nailed it because that piece right there, and I should have said that first. That's okay. Well, it, it all sums up to love. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. we we're, we're out of, uh, just about out of time. Oh, boy. But you uh-huh. know what? You, you've got to come back so, for, so we can <laughs> finish it. We this. will. But Kat, to our tell, tell the audience where they can get in contact with you. Um, okay. Well, um, actually, uh, it's – okay. So I have a website. It's catelton.com. So I'm on there. And um, my books are on Amazon. They're also on my website. Um, and I write for a website called rheumatoidarthritis.net, which is um, – I, that's where I come in as a health, health wellness or a health expert. I write about living well with rheumatoid arthritis, and and there's so many good writers on that website, by the way. So if if you have rheumatoid arthritis and you want just some support, connection, read some little small short articles from people who walk in your shoes, basically. Go to that site. It's it, the reason why I write for that site is because I I read it all the time. Okay, I, I read articles from it all the time, and I thought these people are good, and and they helped me. So so the, all those places are places you can connect with me. Facebook as well. Um, so thanks, Kat. yeah. 
It's been mm-hmm. a pleasure having you on today's show. You. And um, you've got to come back for us to do this again and this topic on I living a resilient life. I absolutely love it. And I'm going to be sharing that with my support group. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you. And I, I really um, enjoy you as well. And Thank I'm you. very grateful and I love to come back. <laughs> I would love to have you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.